Welcome to Hot Springs Village Inside Out, a weekly podcast where Hot Springs Village, Arkansas is the star. Join me, Randy Cantrell, and my co-host Dennis Simpson as we discuss the history, facts, people, places, events, lots more surrounding Hot Springs Village, Arkansas. Visit the website at hotspringsvillageinsideout.com. Today's show is brought to you by Central Arkansas's favorite radio station, KVRE. Find them on the dial at 92.9 FM. Stream them live at kvre.com. How come I'm always it? I'm always it. What, what, yeah. what I, hello and welcome to Hot Springs Village Inside Out. I'm Dennis Simpson, your co-host, Mr. Randy Cantrell. And today... A guy we've been wanting to have for a while, Mr. Jason. And and I got to warn you, everybody, I got to just get the warning out of the way. Jason and I have the ability to completely nerd out on infrastructure because it's, it's an interesting thing to us, right? It's fascinating. It's hey, Jason, fascinating. how are you doing today, buddy? Doing great. So uh, as we hit the record button, Randall, it is uh, Tuesday, Tuesday, the 21st, 2021. So we'll be rolling out a show here real quick, but the bottom line is, is that Mr. Jason and some of the things we need to talk about, there are big things afoot at the Circle K, if I'm not mistaken. Jason, we're going to get new trash cans and what's going on? Well, that's, that is the truth. Um, I would love to get you your new trash can before Christmas, but it's going to arrive just a little bit after Christmas this year. Um, the new 96 gallons and 64 gallons with a pretty HSV logo on the side of it will be arriving uh, about mid-January. And, and so we're looking to have those trash cans delivered to your homes um, during the last two weeks of January, most likely the last week of January, because what we're shooting for is a hard start. And again, we're shooting for it. It could change because yeah, uh, delivery dates are changing all the time on our trash trucks and these carts. But the way we have heard it so far, the trash carts are built and we're going to be looking at trying to get them delivered to your home the last week of January. The first week of February, which actually starts on January 31st, is a Monday. Um, that is the day that we are shooting to have the new side, automatic side-loading trash trucks come down your road and pick up those new trash cans or empty the new trash cans uh, with your household waste in it automatically with one driver. And that's our, that's kind of a, a schedule right now, but a lot of things have to come together between now and then, and, and they are coming together. Well, let me, let me ask just a couple of questions because th- this is a big undertaking. Is that an understatement? Oh, you know, you, you never know how much details there are until you really get down into the, <laughs> you know, the, the last minute, uh, all the policy changes and things like that. And so we've got a lot to talk about just from the, the changes that are involved with curbside pickup to special pickups to leaf pickups. And the only thing that's really not changing is our commercial pickup remains exactly the same. But everything else is changing a little bit. Well, let me let me ask. So, OK, so we, we see. Uh, pardon the term. We see misinformation. Well, the POA just spent $6 million on a garbage truck. Not exactly. Yeah, part of that was for the truck, part of that. But but, but so, so let me get this straight. Do you have people just standing around waiting to hand out trash cans or where are you going to get these people from? And how does that even happen? So as, as far as the delivery of these new trash cans, we are hiring a company that when the trash cans arrive, they are going to deploy them to your house. And they're going to arrive to your house and on the top of that lid, and we'll send a picture out here shortly, there'll be a sticker and it'll be a square around sticker. And you'll have Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday on that. It'll be abbreviated. It may be MO for Monday, TU for Tuesday, W for, for Wednesday. And, and make sure you don't get confused with the W. We've got MO for Monday and I think a WE or WD for Wednesday. It'll be a a T or a THR for Thursday. We'll, we'll give you a, the code for that. That's going to be the new day that of the week that your trash is going to be picked up. So the days right could change. The days could change. Yeah, your day, your day could change. It might not, but your day could change. But that day that your trash is going to be picked up is going to be right there on top of that lid. And the first week of February, that's the day that you need to put your trash can out um, before 7 a.m. in the morning. Now, you can put your trash can out the night before. Okay, so the night before you can put your trash can out and it'll be there ready to go early in the morning because we're going to be coming by 
uh, around seven and get a little bit earlier start on these things. Now, those trash cans, I live out in the country. That's the kind of trash can I have. I leave mine outside all the time. Never had a problem with with rodents or anything getting into it. They're they're pretty heavy duty, and um, we just never have had a problem with it. So I don't expect you guys to have a problem with uh, the trash cans either, or being bothered by any wildlife or anything like that. Just depends what you put into it. Don't put anything in there that's going to attract too much attention. And that's another another reason to bag all of your trash to keep the odor controls and keep everything clean. So we do still want you to bag all of your trash because when the trash truck comes and it empties, it's going to empty your trash can in eight seconds. I mean, from the time it stops, it's going to grab that trash can, pick it up, empty it, put it back within eight seconds. A lot of things flying there. So if it's not bagged, it can fly out. And we, we really don't want uh, to create any, any issues there. But the homeowners is responsible for keeping that area clean. So if anything does fly out, we ask the homeowners to come and police that area and keep it nice and clean and, and, and uh, put your trash can back by the end of the day. And uh, I believe you'll be allowed to keep your trash cans on the side of the houses or in your garage just not right in the front yard, uh, but they are beautiful trash cans. They're, they're brown. They'll blend in with the scenery pretty well, and I uh, expect that to be a, a pretty good deal. And I expect after folks get them, they'll love them even more afterwards because they, they roll really easy. You can roll a lot in them. And uh, I know that everyone has their questions. Well, I can't roll it up a hill or down a hill. Well, just how, 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 are, how are you getting the trash to the end of your road now? It really won't be that much harder than how you're getting the trash to the end of the road now. Maybe you'll have to roll that car to the end of the road and then carry your trash and put it in the can. That would be the worst. But more than likely, you'll be able to roll that trash can with your trash in it just as easy as you were to carry it like you've been doing. And uh, a lot of folks have been asking, well, what do you want us to do with our old trash cans? Um, that's kind of it's kind of I did not expect that question. But um Honestly, there we do have we do have a program for that. One is it's your trash can, and you can repurpose it however you want. It's your trash can; you can use it for composting, for storage. Uh, you can give it away. Whatever you want to do, it's your trash can. But we also are going to provide uh, a couple ways for you to to get rid of it. Um, you can um, recycle it. We're, Garland County is going to give us two roll-off bins that we're going to locate out of the woodlands on a convenient time, kind of a little ways after we get started. So you have to hang on to your old trash can for a little bit, but uh, we'll get the notice out on what day you can bring that trash can to the woodlands. And if it's in good shape, we're going to put it in this roll-off bin one. And the Garland County may donate that to schools and or other um city government facilities or, or anything that you need, they may repurpose those. Or if, if they're tore up or anything like that, they may just put it in the other bin where they're going to chip them up and recycle it type deal. So there's one thing you can do with your trash can. If you can't haul it off, you can just simply call our office for a special pickup. I think it's like $30 and we'll schedule and we'll come pick up that trash can for you. And now, can, uh, can I fill up my trash can with extra leaves when I before I give it to you? Is that possible? I, I can't know. Um, that would be a leaf pickup and a special pickup. <laughs> Ka-ching. Maybe we could, uh, yeah, in one trip, we make, can uh, make two, uh, provide you two services. I got how this um, works. Randy, you have that look on your face, buddy. What's going on? No, I was just shaking my head. No, no, you can't do that. <laughs> No, I'm taking, I'm, I'm, taking, I'm, taking, I'm taking copious notes as usual. Copious notes, copious notes. Qu- um, quick question. More quick questions. That's been the hot question lately. What do, you, what do you want us to do with our old trash cans? And, uh, you know, you can do whatever you want to with it. Um, we don't really encourage you to, to break it up into small pieces and bag it and throw it in the new trash can, which you can, and we won't know about it, but I don't want you to hurt yourself. Either. Those things are tough. I mean, you, you don't need a, you'll need a chainsaw to, to <laughs> up, you know, and I don't want anybody getting hurt trying to do that. So just, I shouldn't uh, be taking my box cutter and trying to cut it down. I got it. No, nah, I wouldn't do that. I would yeah. just, don't, you know, donate it, recycle it, or call someone to pick it up or give it away to somebody. Well, we, we talk about how hard it is to get people uh, to, to fill positions these days, but particularly on a garbage truck. And I made the note the other day that we were in, uh, we were at Chuck E. Cheese 
and the bells are going off and the kids are screaming and things are screaming and going nuts. And, and uh, there was a big sign that said they're hiring. And I told Diane, they would have to pry my cold, hard hands <laughs> off of the garbage truck to make me go to Chuck E. Cheese. That said, how many people are we going to unemploy, not unemploy, but repurpose or whatever? I mean, how many jobs do we save or because it's a hard job. There's, there's, there's about three jobs that we were going to cut uh, from the budget. And these are folks that ride on the back of the truck. Uh, we have six uh, folks that ride on the back of the truck and one floater. And we, and uh, so we do have, um, we're going to reduce that by three. And uh, we will use those to uh, do non-CDL or non-drive uh, trucks that you don't have to have a commercial driver's license for. Sure. Uh, like the mini rear loader. Um, the little mini reloader truck that we're buying that's coming uh, mid-January is the tiny little um, tiny little trash truck that we're going to use to provide outhouse pickup. And that little tiny trash truck, we're going to ask for the residents who want outhouse pickup to sign a waiver to allow us to drive all the way up your driveway and empty your trash can at your house. Um, it's a small enough vehicle. It might be able to pull up, turn around and, and, and come out. It will have cameras that we may back up as well, but we need permission to, to come drive on your driveway. Some of your driveways are a quarter mile long and there's no way I can have someone uh, park the big truck and on a steep incline. I can't, there's no way I can park a big truck at the road and have someone walk all the way up and walk all the way back. So it will be approved on a case by case basis, but that small truck is is less than half the the weight of a use truck. So if a UPS truck that weighs, you know, nineteen thousand pounds fully loaded, and our little mini rear loader is only going to weigh seventy nine hundred pounds fully loaded, it's a fraction of the weight. It should not cause any damage to your driveways. We're gonna want to drive all the way up there to your house and um, encourage you to make enough space where we can just turn around safely and drive you know, empty your trash can and leave uh drive driving forward if we can uh, how and much extra would that, that i'm sorry how much extra would that service cost so that service uh, currently costs i believe it's like um 35 dollars mm-hmm. and that's a, that's a premium that's a premium service you know we're going to come right to your house and you don't have to put your trial your trash out at the road and uh the normal curbside cost is $16.40, I believe, for next year. And, and the, the ad house is 35. It's roughly double the cost. But it's, it's taking more time uh, of our staff and labor to do that. And it's, and we're not trying to encourage everybody to do it. You know, only those who really want to buy the premium service. And if you're if you have any disability where you can't um, you, uh, with a doctor's note saying that you can't really roll that trash can to the end of the road and provide curbside service, we'll give you a 20% discount. Those forms are about to be mailed out to, to everyone who currently has outhouse pickup. And uh, you'll need to fill that form out, sign the waiver. If you want the 20% discount, get the doctor's letter and attach that to it and send it back to us. So we have all your accounts ready early next year. And that's kind of even though I didn't even know that was an option. I, I knew that pickup additional pickup was an option, but I certainly didn't know there was a discount. Well, I tell you what, for us, you know, having Airbnb rentals, you know, do, do we drive there every week and pull the trash to the street or do we ask the guests to pull it to the street or do we pay an extra 17, 18 bucks and have mm-hmm. the postman, the, uh, the trash man come and get it, which that's a really cool idea. I didn't know that even existed. That, that, it, that is an option. And, and, and I know, uh, didn't she have a lot of rentals? Um, you know, how do you get, do y'all use curbside or do you uh, every, go haul the trash to the front? Every morning, every Monday morning in the cold weather, about 815, I go down about 40 feet and I pull two different really worn out trash cans that I know Jason is going to replace for me very soon. So I don't go and buy new ones. I do not go and buy new ones because I know better because Jason is coming to my rescue. I know he is eventually. Christmas is on its way. Christmas is on its way. Well, Jason, I tell you what, we've, we've skipped over and we wanted to, to get right to the heart of this, but at the same time, tell us what you do. There's a lot of people that don't even know what you do and how you came to the village and what you do. Well, I used to um, do a lot of private consulting as a civil engineer. I'm a, I'm a licensed professional uh, engineer. And for 25 years, um, I sat at a desk and, and drew plans and specifications and then went out to the field and watched roads and culverts and wastewater treatment plants and water plants get built um, as an engineer. Anything that made a city run, I pretty much either designed or watched it get built. And so that's my background for 25 years. And then um, we were 
for, we were trying to put um, get a sewer project going on Highway 7, uh, trying to re, uh, revisit the Cedar Mountain Sewer Improvement District and try to get sewer going out there. And I was trying to put fresh legs or anything. A lot of failed attempts had already happened. And I met Dave Johnson, and he told me about um, public works director position out here at the village. And I always had wanted to be a public works director and um, applied for it. And I was just fortunate enough to get the job back in uh, June of 2013, back when uh, David Triggs uh, got here a week after David uh, Twiggs got here and um, been here for eight years, over eight years. let me ask, was one of the prerequisites for the for the uh, director of operations, was that being an engineer or was that just a bonus? Uh, that was one of the, uh, didn't have to be an engineer, but it was <laughs> nice if you were. It was one of the preferred, you know, it was preferred qualifications if they were able to come across it. And I think the final two um, of the candidates, including myself, were both engineers. And, and, the, and the folks in this job before me were engineers. So apparently they do see some benefit there and, and um, sure. hiring engineers who can well, figure Randy, things out. Randy, one of the things, and I don't know if Jason can do this, or and I don't want to put him on the spot here, but I know that he's looking across at a wall right now, and that wall has an incredible live video feed of all the waterworks and the sewer treatment and everything. I, can you, can you? I mean, we're not going to disclose anything? I don't think so. No, but but, but I do have my, there you are oh, right oh, there. there. That's us. That's you guys. <laughs> I'm watching, kind of watching you here. So that's the reason why I'm not looking directly in the camera. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. No, the reason what I was going to say is, is that the, all of the, all of the water treatment, everything, all the flow, everything is on that screen that you get to see uh, all the time. And there are people watching that all the time. We had a guy just this morning on Facebook ask how often the water was, was, was tested. And I'm like, continuously about every hour out the day we're Twice constantly day. testing the at the water plant we're constantly testing the water quality and making sure things are in the parameters throughout the day well where i was going with that is it's convenient to have an engineer that knows what he's looking at and knows how to fix it and can spec it out if he needs to mm-hmm. so uh incredible incredible asset by the way to those that were asking and if that's this comes up again i encourage you to watch the video that you and i made jason about two years ago come thanksgiving uh, about the water treatment plant, the water pickup station. I've actually posted that on Hot Springs Inside Out, Hot Springs Village Inside Out. It's a, it's a phenomenal establishment. I am stunned and impressed at the quality of the output. How many millions of dollars did we spend reopening the water treatment? Well, when I first got here, it was a 3 million gallon per day uh, water treatment plant. They expanded to 6 million gallons per day. And I think they spent around $7 million dollars. And, and how many gallons, 6 million gallons a day, this includes sprinklers and all kinds of silly things. Right. How many people can that support? Well, so right now we're, we're operating anywhere between two to 3 million gallons per day worth of water. So, um, and we support 14,000 residents plus fires, hydrants and, and irrigation systems. So you're roughly uh, one third of our capacity. So we could probably you know, times that by three and that would be, you know, we're in the probably 40,000 population range that we could support before we'd have to have to expand again. Well, let me, let me shoot across the bow here at some people that may, um, I, and Randy has mentioned this about city governments that he works with and, and over and over, you know, nobody thinks their city government is perfect and it's certainly not. And we don't have a city, we have a board. But I will remember you remind all of us, but the seven million dollar expansion that we did of the water treatment plant was in cash. We did not borrow money. We paid for we saved right. up for years in advance and we paid for it. And that board was exceptional for what it's worth. Yeah, that, that you don't see that too often where you pay cash for a water treatment plant expansion. That's what they did. Yeah, yeah. Randy, I'm I'm doing all the yakking. Have you got questions? I do, but keep going. <laughs> Well, I, I'll go ahead. And as much as we are on Facebook with this podcast, there are parts of it that we just both, Dennis and I just absolutely despise. But some of the things that came up with water, I, no, I was getting tickled because somebody posted and I, I couldn't help but be snarky that, you know, how the water, well, the water was better in 1998. I saw that. And I'm like, yeah, well, I was, I was better in 1998. And then I re, I rethought that and I thought, no, I'm better today. You know, you stinking ninny. 
you know, get off my lawn kind of people. Uh, talk about, and this may not be in your purview, but, you know, water billing. We, we've seen a number of comments about people griping and moaning about about their, their bill, you know, the over 5,000 gallons and, and, and whatnot. And some people have come and taken them kind of to task. But so what's true, what's not true when it comes to billing inside the village? So what's unusual about the, bill, the billing here in the village is that we bill every two months. I don't know anybody else in the world that does that. Uh, normally they bill on a monthly basis. And so when you get your bill, it's actually for two months worth of water usage. And um, though our rate is set up for a monthly rate, so in case we go to, to monthly billing someday down the road, that might be a little easier cash flow on folks. And, and we're preparing for that. But um, your water bill will have a monthly base rate, and that's good for, I think it's like 2,500 gallons. And at 2,500 gallons, it's the same 11 to $15. I forget what it is. And anything over that, you pay four or something bucks per thousand gallons more. And that's on a monthly basis. So on two months, you're going to have a 20 to $30 bill minimum just for the water. And then you're going to, you're, your sewer is a fixed rate. And um, so whether you use more water or not, that's a little unusual. Some people will charge, a lot of cities will charge you your sewer rate based on your water usage. And so you have, for every gallon of water you use, you pay a, a sewer rate. We just have a fixed rate here in the village and that's pretty nice. Uh, fortunately, our fixed rate is uh, plenty to cover our, our, sewer, our sewer operating expenses. And um, as we gear up more for more, capital expenditures on our infrastructure, um, we, we may have to be looking at some rate increases for that. But right now, um, you know, with the assessment passing and our utility rates have been growing over the past couple of years, we're, we're, we're at a healthy place where we can either cash flow those repairs or take the, the cash that we have on an annual basis and use that to finance repairs in the future. So we're just about there uh, rate-wise where we and where we need to stay at for the future. So how problematic, how problematic is accuracy of somebody's, of somebody's water usage? Man, it's a, uh, it's, it can be very problematic. Um, some of our meters here in the village are 15, 20, 30 years old. And as the older they get, it's like a, a paddle wheel where the bearing starts to wear out will still turn, but it takes more water pressure to turn that paddle wheel to register. And what happens is more water goes through that meter than what it actually reads. And so the meter will read a little bit low, which means you're getting free water. You're getting a certain amount of free water, but it's bad because we're not collecting a certain amount of revenue to cover to produce that water. And so we will be over time here um, changing out more meters over the future and um a little bit more aggressive uh, rate than what we've done in the past, especially with the assessment increases that kind of frees up to from our, and our utility rate really is what manages our, our um, meter pot program. We're going to be changing out more meters down the road. Well, we, well you and I have talked about this for over five years. I presented to the board oh, seven years ago, I guess I presented an idea where we would offer basically free Wi-Fi to the entire village. And part of that infrastructure would be paid for by the fact that we would light up, we would have smart water meters and we could have live real-time water metering. And, and for those of you, and the, one of the reasons I mentioned that the big screen that Jason has across from him is because if we had meters on every smart meters on every home in the village, and we knew what the output was and we knew what the smart meters were reading. I could tell you where the leak is in a matter of seconds. We don't have to do this. Well, let's wait till water bowls up and we've wasted 5,000 gallons and what do we do? Right. And, and for the end user, well, you know, that, that 15, 20, 30 year old meter that you have, that 30 year old meter also has a 30 year old pipe or a 50 year old pipe running to it. And if it cracks and bleeds on your side of the line, that's a problem. And we can tell you about that too instantly, as opposed to two months from now, which is going to be problematic too. So one of the other billing accuracies, talk a little bit about smart meters and what that could bring in. And I hope we're getting closer to that maybe. 
Yeah, yeah, we're just now um, starting to buy more smart meters. We kind of finished our testing phase. We've decided to go with a, uh, a badger meter that has a very good um, ultrasonic meter, and it uses a cellular communication device to communicate its meter readings to the internet where we can just, we won't have to come in and physically read your meter. We'll be able to go to the internet and see what your water usage is. You will too. If you ever have a leak on your side of the water meter, you're responsible for that. These smart meters, they kind of study the trends of your usage. If they detect you are doing, your, your water usage is going off trend, it will send you a text message, it will give you a phone call, it will call us, and we'll go out and check that and nip a leak in the bud before it really adds up to a lot of money. And that's a tremendous service um, that we're, it will be an addition to um, as we do as we start replacing meters. And this is going to be real slow at first. We're, we're just going to be doing a, a few hundred a year, and then hopefully in the, in the near field we'll do, we'll do a, a system-wide, but we're easing into this a little bit. And um, it will be able to do that. And just like also you said, when we get – whole subdivisions covered with smart meters, I can measure the water going into that subdivision to the water that's being used in real time by the, the residential water meters. And if it doesn't match up, you know, fairly equal or, and then have some, you know, realistic, I'll know there's a leak in that area and then focus some time in that area to fix a leak that is uh, causing, you know, some water loss. Uh, you know, it's causing our water plant to make more water than what's necessary um just do the leaks and stuff and that's something we're also working on is to you know fix all the leaks in our in our system lower the water plant usage you know lower our cost of operations uh create save more money so we can fix things in other areas that are very important i was about to ask and and i didn't know if randy had one a follow-up on this but i was about to ask is there a um we talked about on another show that we did, we talked about the water ingress on the sewer and you, we were like, we want to keep water out of the sewer. I'm like, okay, that's that. And that's another show I encourage people to go watch, but what is the cost per se of a water leak? It's water. You're making it all day long. You got billions of gallons over here in Lake Lago. What? So why is the expense of a water treatment? I mean, it's just a very small leak can add up to thousands of gallons in a day's time. And over a two months time, 60 days, it could be 30 to 60,000 gallons of, of water leak potentially. And, you, st- and you, you may not even notice it because you still got plenty of water pressure coming through the house. But if it's leaking between the house and your meter and you don't know about it or it's underneath your house somewhere, it could add up. And every two months, we discover this anomaly, bring it to your attention. And right now the POA has a one of the best forgiveness policies in the nation. Um, my water district, I get one grace. If I have a, a massive water leak, they'll forgive that one time in my lifetime. Here at the village, if you have a big water leak every other, you know, every four months, uh, you can come to the village. And if you show that that leak was fixed, the excess water will cut in half and, and save you a lot of money. Well, that, I mean, it, it saves you money, but it's costing everyone else, you know, money to make that water that we, that we all got leaked. So the smart meters nips that in the bud. It never lets you get you that far. It'll let you know, let us know that there's a leak while wow, the leak uh, gallon volume is very low. And, uh, you know, every winter, you know, when we have a freeze, somebody's pipes, break or there's a or there's a leak in the system somewhere it's a tremendous uh when it's your leak this uh, smart meter will really pay off for you yeah yeah well and, and we keep asking about about sewers and we keep asking about water and we've asked about the trash cans and i'm glad we got some of that clarified but I, I hear tell that we have roads and apparently we have culverts and apparently we need to work on some of these and you're going to have millions of dollars to do all that real soon right January the 1st. Is that right? No, no. Uh, Yeah, starting. Well, you know, January 1st with the new assessments coming up, it takes a little while to accumulate some money. But, you know, by by uh, we already have the list of roads and culverts and we're doing another detailed road survey. Um, As soon as the leaves get off the road, we have a van coming in that has lasers and video cameras that will drive our roads, laser map the surface video everything around that it sees and tell us where we've got 
cracks, deflections, anomalies in a very high-tech way. And we're going to get this massive database of information about all our roads here in the village that we'll be able to use to prioritize areas that we want to focus on repairs, quantify it, in addition to the information we already have. So we're going to have a comprehensive map uh, and database of our roads. So with the new assessments, we are going to spend that money as wisely as possible in the areas where it's needed the most and affects the most people in a prioritized, methodical manner uh, starting next year. And uh, it's going to to get everything kind of caught up, but you should take great pride in your boards and in your staff and, and know, hey, things are going to get better. We're finally getting some money where we can do some real significant road improvements because uh, it's very expensive. And um, you will see your roads over the next couple of, year, couple of years get even better than what they are now. I mean, they're better than anything outside the village. I mean, hands down. I mean, county roads don't, don't even, can't even shake a stick at it uh, compared to the roads here in the village. But our roads here in the village will get even better. Everyone's got a pothole here or a pothole there or, or where the road's cracking up here. And, and uh, folks expect their roads to be well-maintained. Well, we're going to have the funds to do that better. Uh, over the next year, and we're going to do it in a wise, methodical manner. And um, same thing on the culverts. Um, you know, we found out, we found out, you know, back in 2019, we got more culverts underneath the roads here than we could ever imagine. Like it's something like over 4,000 culverts, and uh, we got them all rated. And uh, so we got several million dollars worth of uh, of culvert repairs that we'll be cranking off on too over the next couple of years, focusing on the ones that are the worst conditions. I mean, these things are out of sight, out of mind. And so unless you stick your head in there and see what the conditions are, which we have, uh, nobody knows. And, uh, or you can tell when the road starts sinking a little bit, Hey, there's something going on underneath there. And, and, uh, we've been, ch- and we've got to a point where that is a fact, uh, once or twice a year, we are starting to get some of these culverts that we have been watching. Uh, we know that they're, they're there. We've got hundreds of more just like them though out there. So you just never know who's going to go first. And so we keep a good eye on them. As soon as we start seeing a little bit of deflection, as soon as the culvert, the, the Corvette, I get a phone call from a Corvette driver that, hey, my, 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 my car bottomed out here. That's my signal to, all right, it's gone too far. It's time to, it's time to dig that thing up or fix it or something. And does your caller ID, does your caller ID say Corvette driver? Cause that, you know, that's who you're looking for, right? If it doesn't pass the Corvette test, it is, <laughs> it's a high priority. So the research that you, that you're having done on the roads, that, that database and whatever that research was, I don't, you know, it's, it's going to happen come probably January, February when the leaves get off the road, but the culvert, but the culvert research, you've already done that. Y'all have already got I've that. Already got that. Yeah. Okay. And how long did our, that take and how many people, I mean, you know, that was a really interesting project. It went off easier and we thought it took five months and we had people working, uh, um, on weekends that were would climb down to the head of the culvert, take a picture of it, rate it, measure it, picture it, diameter, what material it was, was it rotted out on the bottom, was the road on the surface sinking, any deflection, had all this criteria. And they did all about four, you know, four thousand of them on about a period of five, five months, because there there was a, you know, we had we had a culvert or two, uh had the Diamante culvert, you know, there at Diamante Pond that was sinking. We had the we just fixed the Barcelona. Uh, culvert that was like a landslide washed out. So we really wanted to find out just what is the condition of all these culverts they have in the village. You know, and I thought we had about 1,800 culverts here in the village. I was shocked when they told me it was over 4,000 culverts here. And those are the ones we found. I mean, there may be a few more out there that we, we maybe we can't find. But, well, you'll, uh, find, you'll find them when the Corvette driver calls. That's, you will that's go, oh, oh, yeah, there's another one over there. We've there's got our field indicators already always working there. But um, so the first step as an engineer is identify the problem and, and get, a, get an idea what the magnitude is. And, of course, we've got it broken down into priorities. And so we're going to address the high priorities in a methodical manner. We've got several million dollars that we need to spend to take care of all our condition ones, which is the worst case, which we think, hey, these things could the these these could start moving at any time. And so we really need to get to them as quick as we can and as soon as we can, because the sooner we get to them, 
um, if that if that culvert stays round as possible and not smashed, I can push another pipe in there at a fraction of the cost, concrete that in at one third the cost of having to dig it out, replace it with a new culvert, fill it back in, fix the road, stripe the road. I mean, it's just a whole different construction animal if I can uh, fix it while it's in place versus having to dig it out. And so, so I'm hearing that you uh, you don't want to play whack-a-mole and no. you want to, you, the last thing an engineer wants is to be surprised. Oh, absolutely. I don't like to be surprised. I like to have a handle on everything and uh, we're not control freaks, but we do like to control the situation here, you know, and, and, and have a plan to work it here. And uh, man, hey, hats off to the village. Passing that assessment will put the funds to get me the tools, uh, to get your staff the tools to go after this now at a reasonable rate where we actually could maybe caught up and keep up with it in a, in a couple of years. You know, maybe three to five years, we will be caught up and, and keeping up. And nobody be talking about culverts for another 20 what, years. What, at the risk of nerding out, out, and I do um, mean nerding out, tell me about alligator and tell me about super paved because I know you know what oh, I'm okay. talking about. Okay. Well, super paved. Um, was, go, go back to alligator first. because no Alligator cracking? Yeah. Okay. Alligator cracking is, is when you're going down the road and you see the road kind of cracked up into small little circles kind of like the pattern of an alligator or a turtle's back. Just a lot of little cracks that make the the, the form of an alligator. We call it alligator cracking because it looks like a, the skin on an alligator, bunch of little squares, bunch of little circles all put together. And that's where your, 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 your asphalt has gotten dried up. It's not flexible anymore. It's got cracks in it. And the base that's underneath that asphalt is starting to wash out or erode away. And your road starts to sink. And as it deflects, it continues to crack more, kind of like uh, hard wax. You know, uh, it becomes brittle and not near as flexible and it starts to crack. But not, it, it's, it's still locked together like a puzzle. It won't come out. But the more free stalls you have, as, that, as those cracks fill up with water and they freeze this winter, that ice in those cracks will expand and start popping those pieces of asphalt out. Then you have the beginnings of a pothole and it will grow and grow and grow until, um, until we get there and we dig it out and fill it in with, with fresh asphalt. So, so does the laser look for alligator patterning or does yeah. it look for, okay. It, it, it looks for alligator cracking. It looks for the, uh, deformations, ruts in the road. It's like um, it'll, it'll make a, a map of the surface of your road. So you'll be able to see this digitally. If you take cross sections along the way, you'll be able, it's like giving your road an MRI. Huh. Kind of, yeah, yeah, on the surface. Yeah. It kinda, it's like giving it a CAT scan or, or MRI, so to speak, you know, just on the surface, not real deep. You won't be able to see the guts underneath it or anything like that. Sure, sure. But, so, so how many times and places and tell them what SuperPave is and where you can use it and where you can't, because that's always confusing to me. Yeah, you, you can stop saying the word super paved. We're never going to say that word again here. Wow. Um, when, when, I, when I got here, um, we were doing super paved. And that was kind of a hobby was instead of paving two inches of asphalt or three inches of asphalt, which cost millions of dollars to do uh, just the material cost alone. They've gone to what this called super pave. It was like one inch thick. Um really small aggregate and you put it over the top of your asphalt and it gives it a new surface. It reseals it, gives it a new surface, but doesn't have any structural value. It's kind of like just putting new skin on the top of your road. And, and um, that was kind of a hot thing. It makes your roads look beautiful and uh, gives it a, you know, a, a new seal. But what we have found is it doesn't last very long. Um, and in some cases, uh, doesn't adhere very well or did not adhere very well to the roads here in the village. And you'll see what we call delaminations where you'll have these little one inch peels of asphalt will peel off where it's come delaminated or separated. Mm. And it just peels off a nice, like pulling baloney off the road and a nice little round hole. And it's just one inch thick. Well, that one inch thick is too thin for me to come back in with a regular, what they call cold patch mix mm. and, and, and patch it. But we have this new product called Flowmax. It's in a five-gallon bucket. It has 
it's high techs, epoxies, and uh, you mix it up and it starts to heat up and, and has a reaction you know, where it hardens up and you can spread it with a trowel, like spreading butter uh, on your road. <laughs> and you can, you can get a nice thin patch. It costs 50 bucks a bucket to do that patch, but it works. It, it really lasts. And so you're going to be seeing that happening over the next couple of weeks. Um, Todd Knowles and his crews are, have committed to, to depleting all of our, what we call flow max. We got about, I don't know, 10, 15 buckets of that left. And we're going to go try, try to go fix those uh, ones on Balearic and a couple parking lots where you've got those little thin, thin patches that need to be fixed. I didn't, I didn't know super paved was a bad word yet, but I knew it had interesting connotations. But where I'm going yeah. with that is, I mean, are, are we going to have machines come in and grind up the existing pavement and repurpose it? Or are they just going to bring in new asphalt? Or, or how does that even work? So what you described, what we call milling and overlay, where they come in and, and mill up the old road and come back with a new asphalt overlay. We did that on DeSoto Boulevard here a while back because that DeSoto Boulevard was super paved. <laughs> I remember was, that. <laughs> and was coming up and it just made me sick because uh, that's our showcase road here. It has to look great at all times. And so we said, you know, let's just mill that out and, and go below the one inch of the super pavement and get into the old pavement that was solid. And we went back and it worked very well. And uh, I remember Bill Staggs was here when he did that. And, and uh, the thing that impressed me was, he did it in between the striping, you know, they, they came in here <laughs> and they didn't have to repaint the stripes. That saved $40,000 right there nearly in paint. And yeah, it, you'd be surprised little things really add up here. And so, wow. and uh, so he didn't have to repaint. He just came back and stripe and super and milled and overlaid in between the stripes. And it went really well here in the village. You never and, said, you nearly said super pave. I heard you. I heard you. Yeah. yeah well, we, we milled the super pave up. But we've got some other products uh, that we've been using, uh, words like microsurfacing, like on Coronado out here and a lot of other roads. Um, that road was crack sealed, and then we did a microsurfacing over it. It has worked very well. It's, I think it's in its uh, sixth or seventh year. It's an eight-year product, and it's worked very well. It added more traction uh, to the road, sealed it a little bit uh, better on top of that crack seal, and, and you're going to see that uh, happening more. I mean, that machine, when it comes, it lays like a – you know, a half inch, well, a quarter inch new surface on the road. And it's on top of crack seal. So the road's sealed, and then you put a new surface on it. It's like putting new skin on the road, new traction on the road. And uh, it works very well, especially if your roads have, have are in good shape at a fraction of the cost of overlaying. I mean, well, this, next, this next week, Mr. Randy, the new property owner, will be coming to the village and wants to see how his tax dollars are being spent, his dues dollars are being spent. And he doesn't yet know that Coronado becomes a no-go zone when it freezes. <laughs> Coronado oh. becomes one of the very first places where they put up barriers and go, go the other way. I mean, because yeah. it's got such roller coaster hills. It does, but the, the the thing there is they got such tall trees that block the sun. Oh. Um, and, um, you know, if we... It, it, Anywhere where you, you can't get sun on the road, it takes forever for those roads to thaw out. But but the road is in great shape, um, and, uh, and that microsurfacing has worked very well. You're going to see a lot more microsurfacing. You're going to see a, a lot more crack sealing, and um, you'll see uh, a lot of fresh striping going on You know, next year. Um, we're going to try to minimize the amount of milling and overlay for just the absolute critical spots because it's so expensive. It eats up our budget. And we really want to spread the love as much as we can throughout the village, give everybody as much improvement as we can. Uh, so you will see that marker, that marker servicing kick in for the years to come. And that will cover, uh, that'll make roads look fresh, a lot of roadway, fresh, new striping, new seals uh, in the next couple of years. How challenging, Jason, has it been with some of the new development in the building, or has it been challenging at all in, in some of these places where, you know, the roads, nobody goes down them, nobody, nobody lives down that road, but now somebody in this economy, they have, they've built, and now, mm -hmm. now you've got to get a better road to them. Well, that, I mean, that is a, a fact of being here in the village. It's kind of, if you're a property owner that's been waiting to retire for years and you bought that 
that special place at the end of this unpaved road, at the end of a cul-de-sac, you can come and build your house. And within two years, we were required by our covenants to pave that road. And we put the water and sewer in almost immediately because you got to have it for your house to be built. But the pavement, uh, pavement can follow, and and obviously we got to you know make it where it's accessible for emergency services once you build your house. But technically, it may take up to two years for us to pave that. Now that is a real cost to the village that you can't get an ROI on that for just one house. But that's what everybody has bought into. It's part of the guarantee. If you own a uh, an undeveloped lot here in the village, you have got the guarantee and the value of that, that someday if you ever do build here, build a house, you can, you will have a, a road to your place. That's that's the that's kind of the thing. Now, for the folks who come here and they want to buy a POA lot or, or buy a lot at the end of an unpaved road, we do everything we can to try to negotiate with them to 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 come to a POA lot that's already on a road that's paved and it's got water and sewer utility to keep that cost down to the POA as much as possible. And we do, we do the best job we can to try to minimize um, those um, significant investments for, for one house. Well, but, for example, know, like at Ciega, you know, the beautiful new Ciega right across from the trademark building. I mean, you paved that entire road and the cul-de-sac and everything around it because you're now full of houses. What did 20 houses in there? 18 houses. That, that was a special project. The, the developer bought all those lots up front. I had, I had some money um, to buy the asphalt, you know, from the, from the lot sales. And they bought, you know, 20 something lots right there. So I, I used that money to pay for the asphalt. And we were able to do that uh, sooner than later. We put in the utilities and that thing is built out pretty. I mean, it's, it went fast. And um, um, and that's 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 a model we need to duplicate here in the village. But um, <laughs> it just—I mean—that one worked out really well. Really, well, what really I was well. getting at was is that you know when you have twenty houses, it's easy to pave the whole road. It, that's well worth your while. One house at the end of the road. Eh. Oh yeah. And I one will tell. Road, but, but you know, you, you figure the 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 new the new assessments from county houses. You know, that's twenty thousand dollars a year. You know, in five years. You've paid for that asphalt, and it's a break even after after about five years. And so, we do try to look at, um, and you'll you'll see us uh, work with developers down the road, and they're going to build, try to get them to build, you know, anywhere from seven to twenty houses on an undeveloped road that will pay for that infrastructure within five to seven years. We're trying to do that ROI along with it, so you know it's no burden to the POA, and it actually um, grows the POA. And, you know, in five to seven years, now those assessments are going into the POA pot for the whole the whole general population. Well, so let me make investment. an observation for the people that like to, and I've sold a lot of lots for people that wanted to live at the end of the road, and I got it, and I understand it. But yeah. I will tell you, as soon as you build at the end of the road, other people are going to come down that road and go, hey, I like this nice new road. And, oh, there's nobody yeah, down is, here. We, we hey, should build down here with these people. Uh, you know, I, I, no one's ever requested, hey, please don't pave my road. Just keep it gravel. <laughs> it, you know, it keeps the folks from coming down here. I mean, there's not a place here in the village that a dog walker won't walk down. And they love those unpaved roads. It's like walking down through the wilderness on a giant trail. And uh, so, no, you'll be discovered pretty quick. <laughs> I love doing it. I do it every time I'm there. Every time Randy says, where's a great place to walk? I'm like, okay. Do you know where Baltanus is? Okay. Do you know where Paso is? You know, yeah. all these well, I, I live in that section <laughs> over there every time I'm, I come over. Obscure and remote, right, Randy? Yeah, exactly. Hey, not to change the subject, but I'm going to. So as we enter 2022, I don't know. Give us, give us a gauge of your optimism for the year, and I'll throw a curveball at you to – probably lower your optimism, not intentionally, but it's the reality of the world that we live in personnel problems. Um, well, from the, from the point of view of optimism, I'm an optimistic person. Um, I mean, you, you, you heard the, you've heard the, the same about is the glass half full or is it half empty? I'm neither of those. I'm an engineer. The glass is really too big. And that's the kind of, that's the kind of guy I am from a completely different point of view, but I, um, I'm at the highest level of optimism I've ever been in my eight years of employment here at the village. 
I've never seen the potential for things to look up and get better than they are now. Um, man, we've had a one year of, of a very stable board and administration. And uh, I mean, I think that just planted the, the, the foundation for greater things to come. Uh, we're growing at about 100, uh, over 125 new rooftops a year now. And uh, next year, it'll probably exceed that. So um, everything is just coming together for folks to move to the village. That fiber that's, that's coming to the village that eventually probably will it, it take over the whole village, that's going to remove anybody's reservation about moving to the village and, and not being able to have great internet. They're going to have the best internet broadband in the world. You can work from here and do anything you want from right here and then go fishing in the afternoon. I mean, it, it, all the ingredients are coming together for this place to be a phenomenal place to, to invest in and retire. Um, and from, um, you know, just from the political and social that we just had a very calm and productive year that has been a blessing to, to staff into the POA. Um, now, we, you know, now you, you said something about the staffing challenges. You know, it doesn't help when Hobby Lobby is offering $18.50 an hour for starting wages full time. I, I don't I'm hoping that doesn't include benefits because, uh, I mean, that makes it uh, it's, it's just ridiculous. Um, well, then what people aren't saying is that they also are being challenged, even offering those rates. I mean, trust me, I do, I do a ton of work with city government and private sector, and everybody is throwing, everybody who has money is throwing money at the problem. Problem. Throwing money at the problem is not solving the problem because there's still – I mean, there are city governments here in the DFW area that are paying at the top for police officers and they're holding recruiting <laughs> campaigns in, in Michigan, Michigan, Minnesota, California, which include bonuses to relocate those officers to Texas. And they're still struggling to do it. So uh, all, all of the people that gripe and moan on social media about, about the pay, just know this, that even some people that are even at the top of the scale, they are continuing to battle the exact same battle that you're battling and you don't have money to throw at the problem. So no, we, we really here at the village, um, you know, everything you see is paid for by village assessments and, and rates and fees. I mean, we take care of our own here without any help from the outside, which, you know, we got to be very frugal and we got to be wise, um, you know, with our spending habits. It doesn't necessarily, we can't, it's, it's hard to compete with the outside world for labor when they have more funds available to throw at that, at that than we do. And right now, I, it, it seems like during the Christmas season, we'll see what happens afterwards. If you don't have labor, you're not going to make money. And, and so if you don't have labor, you're not going to get anything done here in the, in the village. And, and uh, we are having some competition issues with the surrounding cities um, entertaining a lot of our staff. Um, and we're, we have lost some very talented staff uh, to the surrounding cities uh, just to the better opportunities and better pay opportunities. But so what is your um, roster? What is your, what is the shortage of your roster? What does that look like? If I can ask right now, um, uh, I'm, I'm down about 10 people, um, out of 70, some folks, it's, a um, it's, it's gotten better and then, it, and then it's getting worse. It's, it's really fluctuating. Um, we're, we've, we've got, um, we had a, a recent success of hiring some folks in the, um, but I've got a lot of folks that are, that are leaving, you know, for better jobs next year. So, um, what's your biggest need right, right now? My biggest need is we're going to need to, we're, we have with the new assessment, we're wanting to hire new crews in the street department, uh, in our utility department. And these new crews will take those new funds and start fixing things um, that we've got planned, planned to fix. If I can't get the crews, then I'm going to have to contract that workout. And in some cases, if I can package up a big, Cover project, you know, you know, a million dollar project, you know, that, that's probably obviously the way to go is, is contract all that out because we'll get some really good prices for that. Right. Um, but you can't substitute the everyday need to go fix this 
and I can't wait. I can't wait for a con, you know, I can't wait to go out for business and get a contractor to go fix something small. I got to have staff on hand to go do the quick patch or to go fix the truck or go fix the leak on the water line. I've got to have a certain amount of, of staff here to be responsive. Uh, the the server the expectations of our of our people here have are very high and they expect timely responsiveness and and that's what they're paying for and in order to do that I got to have the staff on hand on hand to react in a timely manner um, I don't have complete holes but I got some small holes in all my departments right now that unfortunately I still got some other staff that can that can cover but um so somebody's uh, listening somebody's listening to this listening podcast to the or podcast. watching it and and they've got interest and they want to apply how do they go about doing that yeah we're hiring uh we're definitely hiring uh you can get online go to hot springs village explore the village.com uh, website go at the very top of the website there's a little thing that says careers push that button and it'll take you to the list of job openings and the applications and uh or go on to indeed uh, indeed we advertise through indeed for a lot of our job openings and uh, you can apply through that um and we get we get folks from all around the world applying for jobs here in the village from from you know other countries through the indeed deal so you kind of have to filter that out a little bit but um it's uh and you get a lot of folks who are who are unemployed and they're just trying to fill their their, their quota for applying somewhere a lot of times so we're we're still working. I think hopefully those folks are, are fading away as those benefits are slowly yeah. dissolving and um, we're going to get more serious applicants down the road. Well, I am thrilled that we do not have an opening for a, a director of operations. <laughs> oh, yeah, director of uh, public services or public services. Uh, yes. New jobs and operations. Yeah. No, seriously, Jason, uh, it has been a delight. Uh, I have one last question for you. Can we see you again in a couple of months or less? Yeah. Yeah, sure thing, man. Just give me a heads up. Um, and, uh, you know, of course, I'd love to prepare and, and put out information. Uh, no, we don't. Uh, no, no, we don't. We don't do that. No, There's no preparation no. Okay. here. We're complete. <laughs> We're totally shoot from the hip. Don't forget, we need to do our lightning round with this with this gentleman. Oh, so that's, can, right. that's right. That's right. And by the way, can, this is fun and really easy, Jason. Go ahead. Yeah, Go yeah. Ahead. And, and I was going to say, say the word is unscripted. So let's start yeah. with the questions. All right. This is, this, this is where my job is put on the line, isn't it? No, no, no. <laughs> no. Okay. It's got, no, it's got nothing to do with your job. Oh, okay. Hiking, hiking, boating, golf, or tennis? Hiking. Hamburger or taco? Taco. Beaches or woods? Say that again. Beaches or woods? Oh, woods. If you had a warning label, what would it say? Read this carefully. <laughs> favorite sport or favorite team? Oh, the Minnesota Vikings. I love underdogs and um, um, and favorite sport right now is pickleball. Man, I'm I'm gonna be a great pickleball player by the end of next year. So watch out. Okay, I gotta ask why why Minnesota Vikings other than they're not, other than the underdog thing. You oh, got, got in Minnesota. You got is there a connection there? Uh, I like Kirk Cousins. I like uh, Jeffries. The, I just love. Okay. I, I love the tight end, the the, the back. I, every now and then that that back gets to running, and uh, um, I just like the character of their quarterback. And I, I hope, uh, um, yeah, I just hope the best for them. I, I'd like to see them have have success, and uh, they got a slight chance. And then, man, if they if they can pull it off, it'd be great. But uh, otherwise, uh, they're they're in tough shape this year. <laughs> let let yeah, me show but... you my length of knowledge here. So Fran Tarkington's not there anymore. Is oh, that right? No, no. <laughs> no, it's Kirk Cousins. Yeah, no, go back to sleep, Dennis. Okay, <laughs> appetizer or dessert? Appetizer. And it would be? Um, anything with artichokes or cheese. Artichokes. Who okay, well, that's a first. Artichokes. Love artichokes. Look at him. Yeah. Okay. Um, what's the most interesting thing that you can see out your window? And let's talk about your window at home. Oh, okay. The interesting. The window at work would be more interesting. Okay. I got, well, this, I got this bird feeder and I grease the pole on it a little bit. And there's nothing more funny than watch a squirrel jump on that pole and slowly slide down. Okay. Well, I'm glad I asked. So okay, I hope that doesn't grease. cost you your job because you know there's that. Agreed. Yeah, no, 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 but is, that is totally hilariousness. 
a grease pump. Well, we need there needs to be a live webcam on that. I mean, that sounds like that would be more that would be more interesting than Dennis's lake webcam <laughs> <laughs> watching squirrels slide down a pole. Uh-huh. Uh, Trying to get Peter is hilarious. Yeah, that's yeah. good. Uh, sneakers, sandals, or hiking shoes? Oh, I like sneakers. Do you have a nickname? Uh, when I was in the military, it was J Man. And for my grandkids, it's Pops. Yeah, there you go. Okay, tell us about the military background real briefly, and thanks for your service. Oh, no problem. I was a reservist uh, when I was trying to go through school at Texas A&M because I was on out-of-state tuition, which cost a lot. only way I could get in-state tuition is I had to join a local Texas militia. So I joined the Army Reserves, and uh, we were in a medevac unit. I was a combat flight medic for about six years and got called up. Right in my senior year, I was right before the graduate, I got called up to active duty for Operation Desert Storm, Desert Shield, and uh, served for a uh, good over half a year in Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, and, and uh, a little bit of Iraq. Saw the oil wells burning, um, did a couple rescue missions. Got, you know, it had a little taste of, 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 of combat and war, and then, then we're back. And I was back here and, and finished it out. So you're, so you're, so you're an Aggie. So you went, you went to the engineering school. Yeah. Genuine Aggie engineer. Absolutely. Don't know a single joke, but I I, I love reading them. Yeah. Well, I'm, I won't hold that against you. I'm a, I'm a rabid sooner fan, but that's another show. Okay. First job. Killing flies. No, actually I, I, I delivered newspapers. Um, when I was like nine or 10 years old and sold newspapers at the square in Magnolia. And then in high school, um, I got a job working at an airport doing line maintenance. But then I, one of the pilots hired me to uh, go kill flies in horse barns here in Arkansas. So for, for a summer, I uh, literally traveled around Arkansas killing flies in, uh, in horse barns, in the race horse barns. We put in this sophisticated pump and spray system with a timer device on it and it we put in this uh, um pyrethian it is pyrethian chemical was made from some root from africa it was totally biodegradable and and it would uh, mix it with the water and it was super safe and it would come on every hour and all the flies would try to escape and they'd fly through the mist and it wouldn't actually kill them but it changed their dna so so, so the fly would actually die away from the barn and uh and that's why i am the way i am that's <laughs> why you grease the pole I outside I, yeah i grease the pole and i can't remember any of my that's kids awesome. names okay but, I, I gotta ask so where so did you where, where did you grow, where did you grow up? up uh magnolia arkansas okay. okay i thought that's what you said so i want to make sure how many languages do you speak i speak hillbilly and i speak uh english and a little bit of spanish redneck you forgot redneck yeah I, I find that's hillbilly, redneck. hillbilly yeah. slash redneck, same difference. Yeah. Favorite movie? Oh, uh, there's two, and it's weird. Sergeant York is one of my favorite, and um, oh, and the other one is Pride and Prejudice. Believe it or not, Pride and Prejudice, because I still yet don't understand everything they're saying and and what it means. And, and I'm still studying that movie for, for years now. I've been trying so to figure out. The subtitles are for Jason. Uh, maybe so, but it's <laughs> fascinating. It's fascinating to understand why Mr. Darcy is the way he is. And Yeah, uh, that's good. That's good. If you were a superhero, what power would you have? Oh, to heal. I would love to be able to just um, miraculously heal people. How, how many people have we asked, Randy? And that's the first answer we've got. Oh, we've yeah. Oh, nobody, nobody, nobody's, nobody's. That's, that's a fantastic. I can only wow. pray for that. I pray for healing. I would yeah. love to, to have that gift. Yeah. Well, that's, that's awesome. Okay. What would you sing at karaoke night? Um, Jingle Bell Rock. Okay. By Andy Williams. Okay. Favorite musician or band? Oh, musician or band. Man, I love Kansas. Old, Carry your wayward son. Yeah. Going old school. Okay. What was the Man, very first concert? Vintage. And what? what oh, else the first concert I, was. Uh huh. 
What else besides Kansas? You were going to say something, and I stepped on. Oh, the Imperials. Uh, back in the day, oh, there the you Imperials go. with Russ, Russ Taff, and uh, I saw them uh, sing in, in Magnolia and at Silver Dollar City. Yeah, there they were, you go. They're a pretty cool, cool All gospel right. group. Last one, first concert. First concert? Yep. That was the Imperials. That's a good one. Imperials. Yeah. That's a first two. Nobody's ever said that, Dennis. So. Morningstar, Arkansas, Mr. Russ Taff. Yeah. I might know yep. a little bit about the Imperials. They were awesome. They were awesome. They were awesome. They are They're awesome. Yeah. Right, well, thanks for being on, Jason. I'll let you say goodnight, Dennis. I'll tell you I'll what, tell you what uh, uh, wonderful uh, meeting with Jason Temple, our, our, our in resident engineer at the POA, who is a delight to talk to and a very hardworking driven person. If you've not, what's your tagline today? What does you say on your emails now, Jason? Oh, just, um, uh, do it and own it, you know, I, I, like getting e- I like getting emails just for you from the motivational tagline. Yeah, <laughs> like I'm a big, I'm a big, uh, proponent of uh, owning the results, do it, get the results and own it. And, uh, whether it's, you know, success or failure, just own it and, uh, learn from it and move forward. You're a lousy example of those lazy POA employees we talk about. So you're, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, man. You're, you're not the, we're, Rod making fun, we're making fun of all the rock throwers is what we we're are. Doing. We're teasing, but oh, yeah. no, seriously. And one of the reasons, and I, if you're, if you're still listening people and I, we appreciate it, the bottom line is it's easy to throw rocks at people. You don't know if you can know and understand Jason temple and you see his quality, his, his strive for excellence. It's a little harder to chunk a rock at him when he's trying to do the best thing with your POA dollar. Am I correct? Randy? Yeah, absolutely. Here, here. So Take for hot care. springs village inside out, Randy Cantrell, and thanks for joining us. Jason temple. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, everybody. Thanks for listening to another episode of Hot Springs Village Inside Out, a podcast where Hot Springs Village, Arkansas is the star. Please subscribe to the podcast. You can do that by visiting our website, hsvinsideout.com, and tell a friend.